Hey, it is great to see you on this Thanksgiving weekend. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Wow. Perhaps you didn't experience what I experienced this week. I was in Canmore, and it snowed like crazy. Roads were closed. People were wondering if they'd ever get home again. (laughs) And it wasn't snowing here, was it? Yes. Now, I think that was something. You know, I'm, I'm born and bred Albertan, but man, was it ever great coming west and seeing the snow get less and less on Wednesday. Hey, we, we're really happy to be in Canmore this week. Dan and I were at a, at a retreat with uh, Covenant pastors across Canada. And we do that once a year, get together, have to receive some great teaching, great time of worship together, and then just connecting with others uh, throughout the Canadian Conference. A highlight for me was actually uh, hearing about our newest church plant in Langley, B.C. called City Collective. This morning, like right now, they're meeting for only their third time. Pretty awesome. But this is where it gets crazy, okay? Six or seven people, was it six or was it seven? A group of them who were living in Calgary, felt God called them to leave Calgary, moved to Langley 18 months ago for the purpose of planting a church there. And they just began three weeks ago. It was great to meet them. Jason Charles is the lead church planter there. Great to to be with him and hear what God is doing through them and and for us to be able to pray for them and be thankful for what God is doing. That was great. And just to be able to connect uh, with other other pastors here, how things are going in the covenant was, was really encouraging. A lot to be be thankful for. But I'm glad to be back with you where there's at least snow has yet to come. We're into a new series uh, this fall here at the Arts Covenant Church called TBH. Now when someone asks you for a TBH, what are they asking you for? They're asking you to be honest, right? And we're exploring in our TBH series, we're exploring how the Psalms, this collection of 150 songs and poems, how they help us become more honest. And last week, we kind of set the tone with the bottom line that we'll honestly never grow if we never grow in honesty. Honesty is paramount. If we're going to become more healthy relationally, we've got to start getting more honest about the things that keep tripping up our relationships. If we're going to grow healthy spiritually and emotionally, we've got to get more honest with God. We've got to get more honest with ourselves. And through this series, we're going to explore six ways that the Psalms help us get more honest. These six ways that we're going to explore, they represent six of the major themes that we see emerge from this collection called the Psalms. And today we're jumping straight in. Whoa. We're jumping straight into our first theme, which is honest thanks. Now, isn't that, wasn't that amazing how we hit thanks on Thanksgiving? I don't know how that happened. Pretty handy, though, on Thanksgiving weekend when we celebrate the many good things that we enjoy, of course. And I, I know that we have so much to be thankful for. And I hope over this weekend, I hope you've already had opportunity to reflect on how much we have to be grateful for. But today, as we begin this Thanksgiving theme in the Psalms, I'd like to ask this question. Is Thanksgiving just something nice that we do? You know, kind of something we come around to every 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 year or so, and and we really enjoy it? Or is giving thanks something critical to our spiritual, emotional, and relational growth? 
And when we think of thanksgiving, is it really about giving thanks for the many blessings we receive, or is it also about something more basic than that? Well, I think the Psalms, like they're going to do for us throughout the series, help us get our bearings. Because when we start reading the Psalms and praying the Psalms, or some of you joined in this integrating practice, and we're going to read through the Psalms together over the next um, couple months, and for some of you that's new territory, others you've been through it before, but we discover that giving thanks to God is a dominant theme in the Psalms. And even in this first week of reading, you would have discovered a couple already. Many Thanksgiving Psalms express personal thanks to God for his help. Other Thanksgiving Psalms praise God for his rescue, his care for his people. But all Thanksgiving Psalms have this in common. People praising God for how good he's been. Usually in Thanksgiving Psalms, people are looking back at an event or a time when they were desperate for God's help, when they were in trouble. They recall a time when they were stuck. And they were crying out for God to respond. They're looking back at that because Thanksgiving Psalms are always, in that sense, on the other side of difficulty. Where we're able to turn around and look back and praise God for how faithful he has been to us. Now, next week, we're going to look at another really common psalm. You would have read a lot of them this week if you just began reading the psalms this week. They're called lament psalms. And they're a way of crying out to God in honest need. Where we're stuck in the muck and we really need God to help us. And Thanksgiving Psalms, in some sense, they fulfill these lament psalms. All lament psalms look forward to God's rescue in faith. They believe that God is going to come through and they're crying out for help. Thanksgiving Psalms, they all look back to God's rescue with, with joy. And really the only difference between the two is on which side of the deliverance that that you're on. Well, today we're going to jump into one Thanksgiving Psalm, Psalm 103. I think it's printed on an insert. Is it printed on an insert in your bulletin? Okay, good. So you can follow along there. I've also listed a few more representative Thanksgiving Psalms in a bookmark that we provided for you last week for, to help you with some Psalms reading on the back. There's some more listed and you, you'll have an opportunity to grab one of these today if you haven't uh, got one already. I chose Psalm 103 because rather than focusing on only one aspect of of thanksgiving, which some psalms do, it introduces us to three concentric circles, beginning with personal thanks for God's rescue, extending that thanks to God's revelation to us in community, and then expanding that to giving thanks for his rule over all of creation. These three circles, personal, then corporate, then cosmic, they really help us get honest about our thanks. Well, the first circle is rescue. This psalm opens up with a very personal thanks to God for his rescue. I love the psalm. We just sang it, 10,000 reasons. And how did it begin? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Right? Can we sing it? Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul. Right? Beautiful. And it comes actually from the beginning of Psalm 103. One of the older translations says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And now this O my soul business is a little new for us because when we think of soul, we might think of some little part in you. But actually in the Hebrew, it expresses the core self, the whole of your being, the deepest you that is you, all of you. And it's interesting to hear it throughout the Psalms because the poet here encourages us and we see it other times that in some way we have to give ourselves a little talking to so that we, our full selves, get involved in the praise, this honest thanks 
to God. In the New Living Translation, which is what I have printed for you in the insert, we hear it begin like this. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Sometimes we do need to call ourselves to respond, don't we? To call ourselves to praise. Now, why would we have to do that? Why do we have to do some self-talk? Maybe you have to do some self-talk this morning. <laughs> like, do I want to go? Do I really want to go this morning? Yes, you do. You need to go and worship, right? Maybe, maybe you have to give yourself a little self-talk uh, to get yourself out of bed 15 minutes ago. I mean, 30 minutes ago. Maybe. Why do we have to do that? Because it's very easy for us to forget how good God has been in the past. It is. What are those good things the Lord has done for me? What am I praising God for? Well, let me ask you, when you think of the good things that God has done for us, especially on a weekend like Thanksgiving, where do your minds go? Where do our minds go? What kind of lists do we make? What's our auto response? I think on a Thanksgiving weekend, we tend to focus our personal thanks for material blessings of food and warmth and Safety. We also express personal thanks for family and for friends. And listen, I don't want to take anything away from any of those things. I'm very thankful for family and food. And we should be. But when this poet calls himself to never forget the good things God has done for him, where does he go first? What's his auto-response? Listen to what he says. He forgives all my sins, and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. In the midst of busyness and stress and distractions and kids and high school courses and work and everything that's going on, how about this? In the midst of Thanksgiving meal preparation, or a long travel on the road to get to the Thanksgiving meal preparation. In the midst of family visits or, or, or going somewhere, it's so easy for us to forget what we must never forget, the good things that God has done for us. Forgiveness of sin, healing from disease, redemption from death, crowned with love and mercy, this idea that we're part of God's kingdom. And the original writer of this Psalm 103, he actually had no real idea. I mean, he had barely a fraction of an idea of just how gracious and good God could be. You and I, on the other hand, we can look back to see what God did for us in Jesus. We can see that Jesus died on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sin. We, we can see how Jesus touched broken bodies and, and he still heals people today. We can see how Jesus rose again from the dead so that we can be brought back from death ourselves. How Jesus raised us up with him and seated us in heavenly places with him and how he has crowned us with love and tender mercies in him. There's a letter that Paul wrote to one of the churches, or a circular letter actually, where he opens it up with this. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then a little later he says, In him, that is Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We have an incredible amount to be thankful for. As we look back and give honest thanks for who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And then on top of that, how our loving Father fills our life with good things. Even things like physical health and vitality added in. That is a lot to be thankful for. But the order here is important. 
When we express personal thanks to God, are we giving honest thanks for his rescue of us in Jesus Christ first? Is it his forgiveness and his healing that comes first to our lips? Is it his work on the cross to redeem us from death that fills our hearts and our minds? Are we giving honest thanks for God's greatest gift of rescue? And that leads me to our first application question for the morning, which is this. In what way does my daily thanksgiving to God reflect God's rescuing love for me? Is that something that I maybe need a little more self-talk to remind myself to bless the Lord and be thankful for what he has done for me? When I express my thanks to God on a daily level, how far back do I look? Last week? And if last week sucked, then there's nothing to be thankful for, right? Or maybe I I can get myself to look back to last month. Or maybe I am reminded of the ways that God was good to me in my early years, even in, in spite of difficulty. Or does my daily thanksgiving reach all the way back to that bloody cross on that dark day? almost 2,000 years ago, when God in His love came and died for me so that I could be rescued forever from sin and despair and death. We can't forget this stuff. And if we're going to forget, we've got to somehow situate ourselves to give ourselves a little self-talk. And maybe the Psalms will help with that. To remind us, hey, there's something worth praising God for. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. Getting honest about our thanks means getting honest about how God's love met our truest need. How God's love sought us and found us and rescued us for his own. Everything else, friends, everything else is bonus. You got a warm house? Bonus. Really? You got a cool dog? Bonus. Hot turkey this afternoon or yesterday? Bonus! It's all bonus on top of this definitive rescue of God for us. And Psalm 103 invites us into that first circle of thanks so that we never forget, never, never forget God's rescuing love in Jesus. Well, second circle. Because it expands in Psalm 103 to include the community of God too. The personal thanksgiving now moves to corporate thanksgiving where we praise God for his revelation to us as his people, how he has revealed himself to us. We're going to go through Psalm 103, 6 through 18 right now. But as we do, I want you to see how much more we are able to praise God for his revelation to us because we now know Jesus, because now Jesus has come. And maybe you're just exploring who Jesus is, but you've got the record in front of you. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, these four stories in Jesus where you can actually open them up and discover how God has revealed himself in Jesus. You can access this stuff. Remember last week, one of the main points that I had for how the Psalms help us grow is that the Psalms lead us to Jesus. This is really, really true here. So as we read it, see how we as a community give thanks for God's revelation, how he has revealed his love and his character to us in Jesus. Here we go. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. Listen, side, just stop for a moment. That was then, and that was super true. God did reveal his character and his heart when he heard the groaning of his people 
And he acted by sending Moses and delivering them out of slavery to this oppressive world power, Egypt. It revealed his character and his heart for justice and for equity and and bringing his people into a new place of freedom. And he did reveal his character by giving his people the law. That is all true. But friends, it pales in comparison to how God now has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. What God did in Jesus Christ so far outstripped what he originally did. God came himself, made himself fully and definitively known by becoming one of us. And so through the life of Jesus, through the way that he interacted with people, the way that he taught about his father, the way that he invited us to follow him, the way that he then went to the cross and paid the price we couldn't pay, and then rose again from the dead people, And then he sits at the right hand of the Father and sends the Holy Spirit so he can be present to each one who follows him. Wow! That's God revealing his character to us. But let's read on. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. We know exactly how God did this, side note. Through Jesus Christ, God flung our sins beyond recall. They can't be found. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we're gone, as though we'd never been there. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. We are so thankful. We have so much to be thankful for how God has revealed himself to us in the community of faith. We're able to be more fully honest, more fully thankful, because God wants us to know him. He actually wants us to understand his ways, his character. I am so thankful that when we gather to worship, we aren't praising a God who plays hide-and-seek, a God we barely know and can kind of vaguely grasp, but we are never sure if we really get who he is or what he wants or if we're okay or if we're screwed. We don't really know. We don't have to get together and worship a God like that. We worship a real God who has shown up in flesh and blood and acted on the stage of history in real space and time, making his character concrete in the person of Jesus. And so we can say, God, you are so gracious and so compassionate. And we can see that in your son, Jesus, that even though we're weak, you are caring and gracious and strong. Even though we're sinful, you did everything that needed to be done so that our sins could be dealt with and we could be part of your family. Even though we are mortal, you are eternal. And somehow, in the mystery of what you've done, you became mortal so that we could live with you for eternity. See how this affects us? By praying the Psalms, by letting the Psalms lead us back to Jesus, we grow in our honesty. We grow in our truth-telling about who God is. We begin to name more clearly who God is and who we are. We get crystal clear on just how compassionate God really is and just how much we 
both have needed and continue to need his ongoing forgiving compassionate grace. And this is one of the reasons why we prioritize this gathering. Gathering to worship and praise God as a community. It's so significant as the church to gather and worship and praise and celebrate God for his faithful love for us. Not just for me. Not just for my family. Not just for me and my buddies and the things that people that think all the same as me. But for all of us. And ultimately, for the world. And this corporate worship together, this community thanksgiving that we have an opportunity to celebrate on a regular basis is so, so important so that we don't forget that the God who loves me is the God who loves us and the God who loves the world. And we give thanks to him for that. It leads me to the second question, though. When we are giving thanks to God, how are we celebrating his revelation to us as a church? How are we celebrating how God has revealed himself through his people, not only in the story of scripture, but down through the centuries? Or do we, are we at risk of keeping Thanksgiving a little too private, a little too about me, the things that I like or the things that I'm concerned about? Perhaps this call, the second circle, expands that. Thanksgiving Psalms remind us to give praise to God for his goodness to us, to his people, to his church, to to us, his frail, sinful, confused followers, people who are only still standing because God is compassionate and forgiving. Expands our vision beyond ourselves to include others too. Well, that's the second circle. But there's a third because the psalmist doesn't stop there. Our personal story of rescue lived out within the corporate story of God's revelation, is now placed in the largest possible context. God's ruling over creation itself. This is how the psalm goes on. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there, he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom. And then right at the very end, the psalmist circles back from the cosmos back to the personal and closes with the same words he opened with. He says, let all that I am praise the Lord. Psalm 103 leads us from the personal to the corporate to the cosmic. These three circles of thanksgiving that God is worthy of our thanks, not only for rescuing us, and that is true, Not only for his revelation to us, and that of course is true, but also because he is the one who is ruling over all creation. And we praise him for that. We thank him for that. I love this because it actually sets everything about us in its largest context. We often think only of ourselves when we think of our thanksgiving. If we can think beyond ourselves, we perhaps would begin to consider God's goodness to us as a people, and that, of course, is very good. But we must never forget. In fact, we need to give ourselves a little self-talk, and the Psalms help us with that. We must never forget that the God who rescued us and the God who revealed himself to us is the God who's ruling the universe. With angelic mighty ones just waiting in bated breath to do whatever he says they're supposed to do with hosts of angel armies accompanying him. Pursuing his dream for creation. He is the Lord of all creation. And he's worthy of our praise. And so with the psalmist, before returning to that final call, he calls everything that God has created, everything in all of his kingdom, to give praise and thanks to God for who he is. Again, from an older translation, 
It's closed with, bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And so our third question for this morning, application question is this. How does our thanksgiving extend to God's rule? Is our daily thanksgiving also referencing our thanks for God's rulership in creation? in the universe, that he is on the throne, that he has got things under control. We're not called to simply praise God for the benefits he brings to me or even just to us. We praise God. We thank God for being the God who is over all. When life is very difficult, we praise God who is ruling the world. When we're discouraged by certain outcomes in our families or in politics or going on around us in the world, we praise that there is a true ruler. We praise the true ruler of the universe. When we're worried about the state of the church, we praise God who is over all. All of our struggles, all of our strengths, all of our plans, all of our pain, all of them are set in the context of God's loving rulership, the God who has revealed himself in Jesus and has rescued us through the cross. And truth be told, this all ties together. Because it's only when we acknowledge how huge and how majestic and how awesome God is, it's only when we acknowledge that, that his very personal, very intimate, very kind, very compassionate love for us really drives home. Do we realize it's the God who is attended to by angel armies that is like a father, compassionate to us? It's the God who made the heavens his throne. Who then came in the person of Jesus, a baby. Who became one of us, for us. That the God who rescues us, the God who reveals himself to us, is this God who rules over all. Well, how do we make sense of this as we close today? The Thanksgiving Psalms ground our gratitude in God's greatest gift. How do you like that? I didn't have to work on that one. Actually, it just kind of came to me. They ground our gratitude in God's greatest gift. And I believe that by internalizing these Thanksgiving Psalms, we're reminded, again, what is most true, what is really real. We become more honest about the true nature of our gratitude, about our gifts, about our thanks. The Thanksgiving Psalms reorient us to the true heart of gratitude. They get us off on the right foot so that we start with what's first. We start with what's most important. God's faithfulness to rescue us. God's love and his revealing himself to us and God's rule over all. Our gratitude is grounded in God's greatest gift. Well, as we've been saying for a long time now, we want to put into practice the things that we are hearing. And so throughout this series, we've been encouraging both honest conversations and integrating practices. Honest conversations, very quickly, are this. The first very concrete way you can participate in that is to join a small group. And if you haven't had an opportunity to consider some of the small groups and more that are being created, please do that. Gathering together with a small group of people to have honest conversations is critical to our spiritual growth critical to our honesty, but also to engage more fully in conversation with each other in families, over tables, with our kids, with friends at a coffee shop, with people on the phone, that we would engage in honest conversations. We've been encouraging that all along. But secondly, we are encouraging a weekly integrated practice. 
This is the kind of thing that can put the boots on the ground, where we can begin to act out the things that we are learning. Last week, our first integrating practice was that we are encouraging everyone to read three psalms a day. And so in 50 days, you get through all the psalms. And so we uh, produce a little bookmark, which has little things you can cross off and keep on track, and a little information in the back, and you'll have an opportunity to grab another one of these if you don't have it yet. Three psalms a day. You're not too late. You start today, you're still done by November 25th. No problem. That was last week, but it continues through the whole thing. Today's integrating practice is contained within just this next week. And what I have for you, and I think the Dream Team has them in a little bucket. Oh, Corey has them. Thanks. She's going to hand them out. Go ahead and hand those out. If you need a bookmark, put both hands up or something. They'll give you a bookmark. But if you would like, uh, I'd like to hand out a little handout for you that is your integrating practice for this week, which is for the next seven days to take these three circles that I've talked about, and I, um, through my amazing graphic artistry, have used Microsoft Word and made something that it slightly resembles circles on here. Oblong ones, mind you, but anyway. And it is for you this week to take, and in your daily Thanksgiving, to think of something in each of the three circles that we've identified this week, and to thank God for it. To thank God personally for his rescue of you. And if you are still exploring who Jesus is, if you aren't sure yet whether or not you're willing to accept that kind of rescue, may it be an opportunity for you to reflect on what Jesus is offering you, to dig in a little deeper to the story of Jesus. Moving out from that, there's an opportunity for you to thank God for how he has revealed himself to you in this community, through the church, through your family, down through history to acknowledge how you were coming to see God more clearly through his revelation of Jesus to you. And then, of course, extending in the end to acknowledging in your daily thanks God's rule over creation. Do it however you want to do it. Write it in a journal. Write it in a letter. Write a song about it. Talk to me and we'll let you sing it for us. Use these three circles, the rescue, revelation, and rule, to thank God for his goodness. To bless the Lord, O my soul and all that is within you. Here's the bottom line. Our gratitude is grounded in God's greatest gift. And we will only grow when we are grounded in that gratitude. Then and only then can we truly give thanks for everything else. All the good things are now seen through the ultimate good gift, greatest gift that God gave. And this is so important. We are grateful for the things that God gives us now. I hope we are. We're thankful for our family. We're thankful for our work. We're thankful for our home, our favorite cat. And yet, these good things, as significant as they are, they do not form the center of our thanksgiving story. They can't. God's gift in Jesus is at the center of our thanksgiving story. And that really matters. Because when the good things that God has given to us take center stage, we easily forget about the greatest gift of Jesus. Oh, we might acknowledge it in the right context, but it slips off our radar. It slips off our tongues. We we no longer really reference it. But when God's greatest gift in Jesus is central to our thanksgiving story, then the good things he also gives us because he's a loving father, those get recognized as well. But you know what else? By remembering God's rescue, revelation, and rule, we're able to become more honest about some of our difficult situations as well. 
We're going to be acknowledging that next week when we explore the lament psalms and we, we talk about what it means to be honest about our need. But we're able to be more honest about difficult situations while still giving thanks to God. If we root our thanksgiving only in the good things in life, only the good things we experienced last week or last month, what happens when things go wrong? Has God stopped being faithful when we experience health struggles? Is God no longer on the throne when we're experiencing financial difficulty? No. Has God stopped being God when our, when our, when our family begins to experience some relational strain? No. God is faithful and He's worthy of our thanks each and every day because of what He has done for us in Jesus Christ. Done deal. Fact. Over. And life now, as difficult as it is sometimes, it is set within the context of God's greatest gift of love. We can acknowledge the struggle, but we can also give thanks to the Lord because He is good. The more honest we are about who God is, the more honest we can be about how life is. And that kind of honesty produces the kind of growth we desire and Jesus wants to bring. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful. You are the one who forgave us of our sins, who came to us, became one of us, rescued us, redeemed us from death. You are here to offer healing and life, purpose and hope. And we thank you and praise you for that. For each one of us where we are, I pray that we would experience in ourselves a rush of gratitude to you for your rescue. For those of us who are present here today who have not yet decided, Jesus, if we are sure about you, I pray that we would have the bravery, the courage, to figure that out, to pursue that, to to look clearly into this story of how you revealed God to us. That you are God in the flesh. And may that move us all toward greater thanks. We give you praise and thanks for how you have revealed yourself to us through the story, through the whole story of Scripture, down through the church and even present in this community, how you were showing us your compassionate kindness how you were showing us who we are loved by you. And we give thanks because you are the ruler of this world. And through your loving rule, you are committed to bringing all of creation, bringing your church, bringing all the world to your good purposes, to your new heavens, your new earth, to full recreation and redemption in you. And we give you thanks and praise for being that kind of God. As we leave today, as we enjoy family visits, as we connect with friends, as we I just reflect this weekend on the good things you've given to us, Lord, may our lips quickly go to you and all that you've given to us. We praise you and thank you. In your son's name we pray, amen. Well, I'm really glad you're here today on Thanksgiving Sunday. Hope you can join us for coffee time. Look forward to continuing next week with our next theme about being honest about our need. God bless. Go in peace.